Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Kevin Jennings here, and I am joined by Jeff Henderson and Shane Benson. Fellas, how's it going? Good to see you, Kev. Good to see you guys, too. This is a pleasure. We today are talking about something that actually I think was inspired really by what you two were sharing with me uh, offline, and that's about how you all have been working with your teams, your organizations to do reviews and and think about how you can improve performance. Um, And so we're talking about how you can lead your team through a business performance review. We've talked about how what you can do with yourself. So if you go back to previous episodes of the podcast, we talk about you know mid-year resets. We talk about rocket fuel and what it means to actually stop and pause and think about how you're going to improve yourself. But you're likely leading, leading a team. You are leading an organization, and we want to give you the tools you might need to be a better leader in that context and bring out the insights that your team has amongst them. So let's just jump in with something very simple, and that is what is a business performance review from your perspective and 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 why is it so valuable and, how, and maybe even just a frequency like just tell me your experiences with them as individuals well kev i, I think first and foremost um i think intuitively a business performance review kind of makes sense right it's like okay where are we at where are we headed where are we currently sitting and how do we get uh, how do we continue to make progress? Um, I think the importance of a business performance review is to provide clarity, focus, and alignment on an ongoing basis to your organization or your team. And the check-in is really important. I mean, I always think about, I, I t- typically go back to my home, and I think about every now and again, Gina and I sit down, and we look at our budget, and we look at, are we on track? Are we off track? How are we tracking? And that, in a sense, is a business performance review. Now, to be clear, I would never call that a business performance <laughs> review at home. But it does translate, and I think it really translates well in business because it allows your team to – it reminds your team, okay, what are the goals that we're going after? Um, how are we doing in getting there? And what adjustments do we need to make? And that's the, that's the reason that you'd want to do this. And oftentimes we make uh, the assumption, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes I make the assumption that everybody's lined and clear on where we need to go. Everybody's pretty much, have you not read some of the emails that we've been sending out about performance? So you, you assume people know how we're doing, and you also assume that they remember where we're headed. The importance of these is to is on a regular ba- basis or cadence to have time as a team to just remind each other, okay, let's be clear on where we're headed, how are we doing, and what's the goal. Um, and that's why I think these are really, really important. It helps keep the main thing the main thing. And I, I think if we're not careful, any organization can be overwhelmed and buried in an onslaught of data. And data is incredibly important, but typically less is more. So what these business performance reviews do is they remind us, okay, it's not about your department, it's about what your department is doing to the overall goal. Mm-hmm. And so that any organization there, you know, we can get siloed. And um, so I, I think it's just really important to kind of review this, as Shane was saying, on a, on a consistent basis. Well, that's, I'm going to ask the question, I'm sure everyone who's listening is asking that is, how regular is regular? You know, like what? Because you said cadence. I'm like, oh, that's a great point. Like, what is? I trust the two of you to tell me what kind of cadence works for your context, even. Um, so, just love to hear that as well. 
Well, I, I think there's a variety of ways to go about this, about doing this. I think less is is more in a way, like less amount of time, but more often. I would I, mm-hmm. I would encourage you to do. You, know, you may have read the book American Icon. It's the the turnaround story of Alan Mahali and Ford. Um, one of the things that he was famous for was having every leader in the, when I say every leader, all of your organizational leaders uh, across Ford in a room once a week doing a business performance review. And it was as simple as, hey, okay, how are we tracking red, yellow, green? We're either behind, we're kind of sitting at status quo, or we're ahead. And they did that literally every single week for two hours. I've seen this take shape in regards to, say, what you call or refer to as a huddle, where you might stand up for the beginning of every week for 30 minutes and just go around the table and talk about the business performance. Typically, I would say it's probably once a week or every couple weeks where you're literally diving into, okay, how are we doing in regards to tracking towards performance? And a key point of this is that it's a business performance review. It's not a personal performance review. Mm. And so what I mean by that is uh, I remember Ed Catmull in, in, the, in the book Creativity, Inc. He said, I can tell when a director at Pixar is going to be successful or not when they can separate the criticism of the film from the criticism of themselves. If you get wrapped up in the the criticism and mix the two, you're not going to be successful in Pixar. So what you have to do is to make sure, hey, we can criticize and be honest about the business performance, but we're not necessarily criticizing you. That's a separate conversation if we need to do that. The people that can separate those two, and it's far easier said than done, but the people that can separate those two, they will be more successful in these performance reviews. This, this comes alive a lot, too, in if you're familiar with agile methodology and two-week sprints. I mean, part of this is in context of that. Like, let's work hard for two weeks. Let's see where we're at. It, it really, the cadence kind of depends on your organization. What this is not is a typically a vision casting or culture building activity, which you might find you, you're doing every couple quarters, twice a year, what have you. This is a little bit more specific Mm -hmm. and unique to the actual business performance. So those two things are a little bit different. So you'd want to do these on a more regular cadence just to make sure you're on track. And I don't know about you guys, but I've found, you know, especially in the environment that we're in right now, you know, from a business standpoint, the environment out there is changing so rapidly. And what was today's really good idea changes to tomorrow's good idea and if you're not careful you've all of a sudden switched from one direction to another before you know it and for really good reasons there's Mm -hmm. just an opportunity that you want to take advantage of well if you're not getting together and saying okay let's just remind ourselves where are we headed what are we trying to do and what how are we tracking in regards to performance you got to do that on a regular basis in order to adapt and adjust to what the environment's asking you to do. Mm-hmm. So that brings me to my next question, and that is a little bit of, of, of the how, right? And, and so, when, I mean, you talked about, you know, different structures. I think from my experience, it's, it's very easy to be in meetings where it turns into someone going into onto a tangent because they, they want to explain the reason for the performance in, the, in that moment, right? And if you're doing a huddle, it's 30 minutes, you really have time to give the facts, let us all capture, and for most people, it's... it's outside of the meeting having conversations but i'd love to hear from your you all's experiences just formats you've seen that have worked so we're not necessarily giving a prescription that everyone has to use but we are going to hopefully share some 
options you've seen that have been successful in your own context? Mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to, to ask great questions. And, um, you know, we're talking about two books today, uh, American Icon, about the Ford turnaround, and we can talk about that, and then Leadership by John Maxwell, which is John's new book, um, 11 Essential Changes for Leaders That Leaders Must Embrace. And he, in this book, John gets three questions that I think can help the business performance reviews. Mm. Uh, and, he, and he says that we need to ask them in this order. Um, the first one is, what's best for the organization? The second one is, what's best for others in the organization? And number three is, what's best for me? So what's best for the organization, what's best for others in the organization, and what's best for me. And that's a great but challenging way to think through that because one of the things John says is when you decide what's best for the organization or you understand that, it might not actually be what's best for you in the sense that you may have, you may have to make some hard calls that will make you less popular in the moment. Hmm. So business performance reviews really have to be honest and authentic. And if, if they're not, again, we go back to kind of creating a, a, a facade of what's not actually happening. Yeah. So, Shane, anything to follow up to that? Well, I think it's these questions are so helpful. And when you combine that with good measurement of where you're trying to go and what you're trying to accomplish, a question like what's best for the organization is better informed oftentimes with data. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, especially as uh, either entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, many of us have a good gut instinct. But when you can combine that with data, that actually creates a, a better informed decision. And so um, one of the concepts that I think I've, I've you know, grabbed onto many, many years ago out of a great book called The Four Disciplines of Execution was this idea of lagging and leading measures. Hmm. Um, and that may not be a familiar term to you, but essentially the lagging measure is the ultimate thing that you're wanting to try and accomplish. Like you want to have uh, a certain amount of revenue over the course of the next five years. Is that, or you want to have the greatest amount of impact with the audience that you're trying to reach. So that would be this lagging measure. Um, but there are these things called leading measures, which help you get there. So an example of that would be if I were to ask you, hey, if your lagging measure was this ultimate goal of revenue, the leading measures would be the things that you'd have to do in order for that to happen. And it's the combination of those two things that I think need to be a part of these conversations. And so when you get to this question of what's best for the organization, what's best for the organization in light of some of the measurement, our ultimate goal and the behaviors or the activities that are driving some of those things. Hmm. And so it's this really this combination of both data and intuition and really good questions. So when you get to that question of what's best for the organization, how does that take shape in light of where you're trying to go and the performance of getting there? Yeah, I love that. I read a book last year called uh, Measure What Matters. Yeah. Um, and it's all about Google and their, and their goal setting methodology, OKRs, which stands for Objectives and Key Results. And it really was op- eye opening to say, you know, first of all, it's a bottom up goal setting methodology. So everyone sets their own goals and reports up to the leader as opposed to the other way around because they recognize that leaders do, leaders struggle to know the way every single person, sh- what their goal should be because you know what you're capable of and you know what's best for the organization given what the goals are from your seat. 
So it became a more of Google saying, we're going to share the organizational goals, give everyone two weeks to come back to for, with your goal based on the organization's goal. Mm-hmm. You tell me what you should be working on to do it. But what I loved about that to that point was everything had a number. And you, and you even told your, your leader, here's the number you should use to measure if I do this goal effectively. Mm-hmm. So that obviously baked in a lot of accountability, but it also gave the opportunity for everyone to feel like, yeah, the, the leader's tone was right for the organization. I kind of thought about my way to fit, created goals accordingly, and it kind of met in the middle with these numbers. Um, so we heard, obviously, scorecards questions and intuition kind of play a role in that. Um, Shane, are there some questions that you, too, uh, have, have seen that are also effective? Well, before I jump to that, I, I just want to build on this Please. a little bit because I think I love these questions that John Maxwell presents because when you're looking at teams and you're sharing through data where you're at, when you get to questions like, well, what is best for others in the organization? It actually helps you answer that because you may see barriers. You may see some things that are like, hey, this is red and this team is really struggling. And when they have a chance to go, here's what we need, that is actually what is best for those folks in the organization. You may need to, based on data, you may need to stop an initiative, uh, pause an initiative. You may need to add resources to initiative. And so you get to the answer of this question by analyzing where people are in the process and so that's what i think is really helpful uh recently we had a time with our our president tim disciples at chick-fil-a and he posed three really good questions as well and although tim hasn't written a book yet but i do want to encourage him to do that because he's an unbelievable leader yes um, he posed he posed some really good questions and the questions were this and, and i think again in context of getting together with your team here would be three really good ones what is the opportunity for our organization. Now, this is more of a a forward-thinking question um, because if you're not careful, you're in the weeds, you're thinking about these challenges that you're working on, but occasionally you need to stop, hit the pause button and go, okay, what's going to be best for our organization? And then the second question is, and what's my personal responsibility in that? Like if we're trying to, if we're really trying to go after something, what's my responsibility in that? And then this third question, what should my personal mindset be? Now, what I love about this third question is, really, if you're getting your team together, this question helps you pull up and go, okay, should I be thinking about just my department or my project or my initiative or my sub-department, or should my personal mindset be more about the enterprise? And as leaders, when you do these business performance review, you have an opportunity to remind everybody, okay, what are we collectively trying to do together? And the reason there's power in that is because ultimately people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. We just don't know it sometimes. Sometimes we get caught in the minutia of our day-to-day and what's important and the resources I need. But by asking some of these questions, again, what is the opportunity for the organization? What's my personal responsibility in that? And then what should my personal mindset be? Boy, it, it, can, it can fast track your organization to be more aligned. Mm-hmm. I love that. The, I love these questions by Tim. It reminds me, what is the opportunity for the organization? It reminds me of a story where Howard Schultz actually went against the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, Starbucks was going to go into Japan. He wanted to go to, into Japan. He thought that was a great opportunity for the organization. All the data said, this is going to be a disaster. It's not going to work. But he just felt intuitively this is what this is the opportunity for the organization. 
they opened up in Japan. It ended up being their greatest opening ever in that, that particular moment. So it, the reason I say that is data is important, but if you're not careful, data can shrink the uncertainty, which is good. But as it shrinks the uncertainty, it also shrinks the courage of the organization. Sometimes you have to make sure that data doesn't shrink the courage of the organization. So the thing I love about what is the opportunity for the organization, as Shane was mentioning, the data that you have now is telling you as much as it possibly can about the present, but you got to be careful that it doesn't rob you of the opportunity for the future. Yeah, I'm going to say one thing Shane said earlier was this idea of saying we have to stop and say where are we headed and what are we going to do to get there. And and I think the what is the opportunity for the organization question forces you to innately ask yourself what's changed about the opportunity. Right, because once upon a time the opportunity was this. We'll say, "Hey, I'm asking this quarter or this week, what's the opportunity?" It's like, well, the opportunity changed. You know, I'm just looking at my own space and what's happened in the marketing services world and with Upwork and so many talented people available, literally at a click of a button, for me to go out and say, "Oh, I'm just going to be the best email marketing copywriter in the world." It's like. There's a lot of amazing people that you will never have to even get out of your pajamas to interact with, and I want you to come meet me for a sales call. That's gonna be, it's, it's just increased the challenge. The opportunity for me is different now, and I think that's a powerful question to ask. One other thing that Shane said before we recorded, I just have to bring this up, that Tim, you said, uh, brought to you all, and it was, what's the risk of taking our eye off the opportunity? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like that, that, that just hits you so much harder for me, because like, oh yeah, like, there is, and there is a there is a punishment or a consequence to a certain extent of not leveraging the opportunity when the team recognizes it. And I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, I, I can be, become very task oriented in certain situations, and I feel guilty sometimes in hindsight because I love people so much. But the reality is, if I'm not reminded, of that, I'll think, "Hey, Shane gave me this to do." I'm going to do it well. I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity and make sure Shane never regrets this decision. But that's not what Shane, mm. he wants, he, he's not thinking, Kevin, deliver on your personal obligation to me. He's saying, do this for the team. Right. And so if, if, if the thing changes, I can't become so in love with the task or even the opportunity that someone personally gave me, to go back to what Jeff said earlier, it's not a personal review. It's a business review, and I think that's a big deal. So I know we've spent a good amount of time actually on many podcasts talking about culture, but Jeff, I want to go back to you because I feel like you do a really good job of this combination of not only kind of a business review, but also you use these meetings to continue to develop culture. Talk to us a little bit about what you've experienced with the teams that you've worked with and how these opportunities to get together and talk about the numbers, so to speak, or talk about performance, so to speak, is also an opportunity to build culture. Well, I, I learned this from, from Dave Farmer, uh, you know, the big L leader, as he talks about thought leadership, how are we seeing and shaping the future, people leadership, how are we growing, and then project leadership, how can we be more effective and efficient at the same time? And typically, I've at least in my meetings in the past, project leadership took up took up ninety nine percent of the meeting because it's like, hey, we got to get stuff done. Let's make some decisions. And the people and the thought leadership kind of kind of if we had time for it. So what we do now is we start our leadership meetings with a thought leadership moment, and that and we carve out some considerable amount of time to talk about that. And in that moment, it really helps us think through at a different different 
uh, level. And so, I mean, you recommended the book American Icon, and we talked about a story about that uh, that book and what happened in that book, and it was a great moment in that meeting and it's already impacted us and that was just a few weeks ago so i think trying to make sure you carve out some time to actually think about the business not just by yourself but with the team is really important you know this is really good and it just literally popped in my mind but a huge shout out again to tim disopolis who leads chick-fil-a but he gave me this concept probably 15 years ago and i've never forgotten and it ties directly to what you just talked about i think as a team there is time there's always going to be time where you need to work on the work you need to evaluate the projects. You need to look at the scorecard. You need to think about what's the next step. What are we going to do in the next two weeks? You got to do that. Then there are times that you need to pull up and you actually need to think about the work. Like, okay, are we are we kind of doing the right thing? Um, are we making the ground that we need to make? You need to be thinking about the work and how you're going about that work. But this is the most important thing, and it's the third thing, and that's there needs to be time as a team that you think about your thinking. And that's what you talked about. It's like it's a culture builder. It's like, are we even thinking about this the right way? Or are we need to pull way up? And that that entails maybe some experiences, some other opportunities. Maybe you're reading a book together, but you need to be thinking about your thinking. So work on the work. That's important. Think about the work and then think about your thinking. And all of this can happen on a more regular basis if you're meeting together with a, an irregular cadence talking about these things and, and that reminds me I, I just listened to Tim's talk from the Chick-fil-A convention next uh, this morning and he sent it to me and he was talking about his library days and how he thinks about the business and this is very very convicting for me when he said a couple years ago when he became president of Chick-fil-A which is a fairly big job by the way he it, it, you could have been tempted to go uh, I'm not going to do my library library think days because I'm too busy now he actually increased it by one. So he has one library. He had one library day a month. Now he went to two library days a month to think about the business. That's really smart. That's that that takes discipline, but it, it really talks about thinking at a higher level. Well, on a personal level, for those of you that are leading teams, the reason that's so important is because you think about these opportunities when you're going to get with your team and the questions you're going to ask and how you're going to engage them and the culture that you want to continue to build. I mean, if you're not spending the right amount of margin time thinking about that, you'll miss opportunities. And so, I would even say, lesson. and I would even say, in addition to that, he knew that at the next level, that was his job. Like, like, like mm-hmm. the thinking is his job. Amen. And I think he, and to, to own that and say, if I, if I made myself believe that my job was just to be the most visible person in the organization, I would have been lying to myself and actually hurting all people who trust me to lead them and lead them well as they go into this. And yeah, I, and I agree. I think the more I and you and all of us think, the better we're going to be. But I also think the more the team thinks, the better the organization is going to be. And so often the team is just doing and not thinking. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to challenge them to do the exact same thing. You'll be a better team because of it. Yeah, you know, it's, and so I think when they talk about culture, culture obviously is not created in just one meeting, right? And I mean, we think about Patrick Lencioni and the five dysfunctions of a team. If there's not trust before you show up, a review is going to be really hard to happen. It's just going to be hard because everyone's thinking about protecting their turf, protecting themselves. So the question of what's best for the organization is going to be a tough question to ask because everyone's reversed the order and they're asking what's best for me first. Mm -hmm. And so you have to work on developing trust. And we'll probably have to cover that in another episode because we don't want to dilute this one. But thank you both for hanging out with me. 
I it's appreciate a pleasure. It. Yeah, I appreciate it. And so we want to encourage you to do a review. Try it out. You know, if, if you have to say, I'm just going to do this with my, with my closest members of my leadership team. If you're a startup, maybe you get one of your friends to sit down with you and do it. And who can get, bring, bring some other perspective to the table. Practice this thing. You're good, you'll get better at it. I mean, I know I have a lot of work to do on my end to make this happen. But we believe that the ideas that you have inside of you, the projects, the things you're working on, they will require a team. They will require you to become a leader. And this means learning how to engage the expertise, the abilities, the skills, the passions of others around you. So take a, take your hand at trying your own BPR business performance review and make sure you check out the show notes we, we dropped a lot of books in here that i think could be really helpful in your process of preparing for that first review if you haven't done one just yet so you get those show notes by going to launch university that's youuniversity.com forward slash podcast you'll find all of our show notes that means we do summaries of the episodes so that you don't have to if you're driving if you're working out just go there and check those out also, subscribe to this podcast. We talked about a lot of things we've listened to, people, talks we've heard, books we've read. That's because a lot of us have automated those things in our life. I have an Audible subscription. Jeff pre-purchases and chooses all of his books for the year before the year even starts and starts reading the first book in December. We have practices in our lives that bring this information to us, and we want to be a part of that for you just by subscribing to the podcast. Do that on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. And lastly, leave a review when you're there. Tell us what we can do better. Tell us how we can improve. Tell us a topic you want us to cover. That would be even more helpful for us because we want to make sure we're serving you well. And your feedback is helpful to us. It is a gift and we want to cherish that by being mindful of it. So thank you again for hanging out with us on this episode and we look forward to having you join us next time on the Launch University Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com. 